This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Save it for the show. (laughs) Save it. Uh, welcome to Ages and Icons. <laughs> the cackler over there is Mike. Mike, introduce yourself. <laughs> Mike Crisologo, arts and entertainment editor at Zoomer Magazine. And I'm Gina Bucci. And today, uh, <laughs> Mike, stop laughing. I'm laughing. I, I was trying to talk to Gina about something about corner gas, and she says, save it for the show. She completely just cut me off. <laughs> yeah, I cut him off. Because, you know, Mike, it's the canned magic. It's true. You don't want to, you don't want to, you know, you want to save it for the show. Yeah. You want to take the lid off on air. And people don't know that we don't talk outside of this podcast. Not at all. I, don't, I won't talk to you again for another week until yeah, we Mike show hates up me. here. And yeah, it's, it's a weird <laughs> dynamic, but it works for the podcast. So, um... It was Mike's birthday yesterday, the birthday boy. Uh, how was it? <laughs> it was good. It was yeah, you fun. had a good time. Um, yeah, I turned thirty-eight, and I'm oh okay with it. I did not ask your age. Never ask a lady <laughs> her age. No, well, I don't mind giving it up. No, yeah, all right. Feel the same. Age is all in your mind, right? Yeah. Ages and icons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're aging to the iconic state. Oh, yeah. So today we have a very connect show, as Mike was saying, which I told him to yeah, say. Which I was saying before we went on air, and you told me to <laughs> shut up, and now you just took the line. <laughs> yeah, this is our most Canadian podcast, I think, right? Um, no, no, oh, that's not right. at all true. <laughs> because last week we had a doubleheader of two Canadian icons. Right, yeah, we had Donald- Christopher Plummer and Donald Sutherland, yeah. Well, today we have Brent Butt, and the reason I say it's the most Canadian show, even though we have had other Canadians, sometimes two at a time, is because he's. Uh, we talked to him about the new Corner Gas animated show, and Corner Gas is like the quintessential Canadian sitcom. Yeah. And and Brent Butt, when you hear him speak, and, and his, his sense of humor and... Just everything about him is just so Canadian. So that's why maybe more so a little bit than a Donald Sutherland or a Christopher Plummer. Well, also because he is an integral part of the creation of that uh, of that show and the yeah, writing of the his, show. Yeah. His mind and his experiences certainly inform Corner Gas. Yeah. So absolutely. that's why. Yeah. Even more so. Like actors are, are just vessels for other writers' words. But yeah. he is the writer. Yeah. He is the creative force. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Why. Yeah. He's so, I mean. For people who don't know, um, Corner Gas Animated is a new animated sitcom version of the Corner Gas TV show mm-hmm. that's uh, coming to the Comedy Network on April 2nd. And uh, I'm cor- so excited. Yeah. So, <laughs> I've already seen the teaser of it. Yeah. And, uh, oh, my God. It looks so good. Yeah. You can actually head up to uh, cornergas.com and they have all the, the teaser videos and stuff. It's really interesting. Corner Gas, uh, for those who might not know, sort of went uh, originally broadcast for six seasons from 2004 to 2009. And uh, for a part of that run, it was the top rated sitcom in Canada, uh, including American shows, too. Like it it was huge. Uh, It airs, I think, still in syndication, like 26 countries. Um, And it's it's basically just set around a a gas station in Dog River, uh, Saskatchewan. And just the quirky people who work there, including Brent Butt, who's the star of the show. He runs the gas station and there's the diner next door and and all the, the quirky people in, in the town. And, you know, it's 
It's a really unique show in the sense that it aired for, for six seasons, like I said. It ended in 2009. Then you come back five years later, it had a movie in 2014, oh, yeah. which was like one long I episode. I haven't seen that yet, actually. Yeah, I, I didn't actually see the movie either. But Big it hit, got though. It, huge hit, critically, mm-hmm. and, uh, and audiences loved it. And so that's five years later. And now four years later... The, the sitcom is coming back as an animated series. Like, you think about all the sitcoms in, in television history, that's never happened. It totally works for this format, I think. Uh, what a natural progression for the show because, I mean, when you consider shows like King of the Hill and uh, Bob's Burgers, it really does fit into that yeah. vein, that mold very, very it well. It does. There's a little bit when you see the teasers. It's hard, there, There's a little bit of a Simpson-esque, a little bit of Family Guy-esque yeah. quality to it. I mean that in a good way because I know a lot of people don't like Family Guy. Um, I love family. Yeah, it's it, when it, when it's good, it's good, and this has uh, has some of those qualities. But it, but yeah, like you wouldn't want to see like. But definitely more PG than Family Guy. Let's yes, be clear. Course, yes, yeah. for and sure. I, and watch the whole family. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. This is a very PG show. It's the same feel as the sitcom, but they can. And uh, I don't want to you know jump into what Brent talks about in the interview, but he expands on the the. Uh, latitude you have when it's animated as opposed to live action and stuff you can do in an animated show that would cost way too much money in a live action. Right, like uh, just as an example, if a character has a fantasy. Exactly, flashback, anything. But you wouldn't see this sort of thing with other sitcoms, right? Like you wouldn't see Cheers come back nine years after it's over or MASH or Seinfeld But but that's happening. That's the trend now. Will and Grace. uh, Yes, for some reboots, yes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Some reboots, but I think um, if like... Maybe maybe it's more of a 2018 thing. Maybe it's a cultural thing now where we're calling back and we're, we're doing these reboots and the nostalgia. But, you know, a lot of those classic sitcoms, you didn't see them come back five years after they went off air for a movie. And then four years after that for a, an animated show. Like, it's a really unique thing that Corner Gas can do. I think part of it is because... Um, it, it, it's not like it's a sitcom that followed a romantic uh, relationship. And so you have to pick up at the end of that or followed a certain uh, character tra- trajectory where you have to now continue that trajectory. If nothing changes and everything stays the same, like Brent Butt said, you can pick it up wherever you want. And here's Mike's interview with Brent Butt. I was thinking about, you know... So many successful sitcoms uh, that we've seen, American, Canadian, what have you, they have their run and they end and we love them. Um, but Corner Gas was the only one I could think of that had its successful run, top rated, then had a movie five years later and now is back for another run. I know. People keep demanding more. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a matter of giving the people what they want. Yeah, the sixth season run, 107 episodes, and it was, uh, you know, surpassed all our expectations. It was the number one. There, there was a run uh, during Corner Gas where it was the number one sitcom, not, not just the number one Canadian sitcom. It was beating all the U.S. sitcoms, too. That, that was unheard of. That had never happened before. So anyway, when that ended, we took some time, and we always kind of thought it would be nice to come back and do a movie. So we took some time, did the movie, and then the movie did much better than anybody expected. There were, ended up being like seven million Canadians or something watched the movie. So, so the network called up and they said, listen, the appetite is still there. Do you want to do more Corner Gas? And we, we didn't want to just kind of go back and do the same thing. We mm-hmm. thought if we were going to do something, what could we do that was different but still brought everything that people liked about Corner Gas over? Right. And so we started talking animation. 
And why, I mean, you mentioned the network, meant there's thirst for it. You know, what is it about corner gas that there's still a thirst for it this many years later? I don't know, really. I couldn't put my finger on it exactly. If I could, I would just churn out yeah. hit after hit. <laughs> I would be the Aaron Spelling of Canada, living in a giant palatial Aaron Spelling-esque house. Um, but I think there was an authenticity to Corner Gas. I think part of it stems back to the fact that we, when we made the series initially, we really thought nobody was going to watch. Mm -hmm. We thought, okay, well, this was a, uh, uh, an egregious mistake. The network has somehow blundered into uh, allowing us to make this show that I wrote about a gas station in Saskatchewan. But surely, to goodness, nobody's going to watch. So we'll get to do these 13 episodes over the summer in the small town in Saskatchewan. This will be fun. But we thought nobody was going to watch. We kind of, so what? That translated into us just doing what we thought was good and right mm -hmm. and doing a show that we thought was funny and that we could be proud of when we walked away because we thought that's all we were going to take away from this was, um, you know, let's just make a show we're, we're happy with. But then, to our surprise, you know, the first episode, over a million people tuned right. in and it just grew from there. So now we were like, oh, <laughs> now, geez, now we got a job. And now this is like 14 years later, people won't stop watching. I know. <laughs> I didn't think God they would bless start watching. You. God bless you people. <laughs> it's, uh, I didn't know this about you, that you had the passion for animation way back when you were little, like before you got into comedy. So this is really a really cool full circle sort of creative uh, experience for you, I would imagine. It is. It is kind of surreal because, like you said, ever since I was a little kid, I was fascinated by cartoons and I drew. I was a drawer, so I spent all my time doodling and cartooning and, you know, as I became a young adult, I made a buck as an illustrator and a graphic artist and I was going to go to school to study animation, mm -hmm. except, you know, my true passion was stand-up comedy. That's what I knew I needed to get into. So after having been accepted into the Sheridan College for Animation, I pulled out about four days into it or something. <laughs> I said, okay, this is really not what I need to be doing. and so. You know, here we are. I started doing comedy in 1988. Here we are in, what is this, the 90s? Yeah. <laughs> 2018, right? Holy Jeez. crow. And I've come full circle back to where I'm now making animated cartoons. <laughs> it's, it's a funny old world, isn't it? Isn't it? When you were um, doing animation as a child, were, you, were the comics that you were making um, funny? as well, were you incorporating humor? Yeah, very much. I used to, you know, in lieu of learning stuff in school, I used to sit and draw cartoons and pass them to my buddies and see if I could make them laugh in class and then they'd get in hell with the teacher. That was kind of the high water mark for me, is if I could get one of my buddies to get hell from the teacher for laughing at something I drew. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, I was an editorial cartoonist for a couple small town newspapers and so, yeah, the, the humor angle was always, that was the natural way to go. Yeah. When you see yourself uh, as an animated character? I mean, did you, you say, okay, I'm, I'm gonna be a, a cartoon in animation, I wanna design it a certain way, or I wanna have a certain feel to it? Not really, I didn't go into it with that notion, other than I wanted to have season one hairline. I knew that, <laughs> let's go, let's roll the hairline clock back to 2003. That was a good head of hair then. Uh, and I thought I was bald then. Wow, who knew? So uh, that was the only kind of thing going in, was I was excited about that. Beyond that, we just kind of wanted to develop characters that certainly looked like the, each of the actors, myself mm -hmm. included. Um, you, you need to bring that across. Had its own style. 
We uh, designed the characters. Uh, I, I worked with a guy named Josh Mepham. Josh Mepham in Vancouver, animation guy, and he designed the characters uh, with you know a lot of input from me and from the actors. Mm -hmm. And um, that was a it was a long process, but a good fun process. And I really like how the characters developed. Yeah, and um, just creatively, you've done six seasons. You've done a film. I mean, creatively, you're, uh, I guess, it's what, 14 years since you originally started Corner Gas, right? Mm. Uh, you know, wh where do you get, um, where do you find the new ideas? Or, or what does the fact that you're now in your early 50s as opposed to late 30s writing these shows provide you with new material? Not really. Uh, that's not really where it comes from. It comes from the same kind of, I mean, these are interesting archetypal characters, and so. Um, there's, a, there's a wealth of character-driven stories that are there. And then, you know, it's just a matter of sitting down in the, the writer's room with all the other writers and we kick around ideas and you start joking and riffing and you get ideas and kick around. So just that organic process, we get a lot of stories that develop from that. And then there's a little kind of device, a little trick that we use sometimes, whereby we come up with a title for an episode first. <laughs> then say, okay, if that, if that were the title of the episode, what would be some storylines that would justify the episode being called that? So you kind of backward engineer a, a show, and it, it kind of works, it works in a weird way because it gives you the nucleus of an idea, it forces you to write about something, as opposed to pulling something ethereal from the air, which is tricky, mm -hmm. when you're just grabbing it, nothing, there's nothing there, but as soon as somebody <laughs> says, you know, Write it. What would be a story about this? If you get, they give you that specific nugget, your mind can lock in on that, start kicking that around. And you know, you're not locked in, you're not married to that. That's just your starting point. But it's amazing how many of our, some of our favorite stories have come from doing that, just starting backwards, title first. <laughs> it's such a great show to be able to do that too. I remember um, I spoke with you uh, before the film came out and you said, that you always had this idea for the show that no one grows and nothing ever changes. Nothing changes. Know, right, so I guess that's a perfect format for that sort of... Yeah, I mean, you know, aesthetically, nobody's gonna change. Like I said, season one hairline forever. <laughs> um, but also, it's kind of, there's a nebulous chronology to this that is thematic to that never changing. Because the, the episodes in the animated series in terms of the canon, the overall timeline of the series, there's somewhere pre-movie, you, you know, the, the people's relationships are somewhere where they would have been in the middle of the run of the series of the show. And yet it's still contemporary. From a technological standpoint, they have modern smartphones, uh, they can reference Netflix or, you know. So we have, we're <laughs> the characters are living in today's contemporary world, but their own kind of personal timeline chronology is nebulous, it's somewhere in the in the dog river world yeah and i guess it allows you to do certain storylines maybe uh, or, or imagine storylines that you couldn't have done in a live uh, sitcom setting right now that it's animated yeah i mean you can get away with doing things that you you just wouldn't physically or from a budgetary standpoint or, or just have the time to do even right. um I'll give you an example. One of the things in the very first episode in the animated series, the episode is called Bone Dry. Um, the town has run out of gas for a few days because Brent forgot to order to order for the gas truck to come and fill the underground tanks. So it's going to be about three days without gas, and Oscar overreacts surprisingly, <laughs> and he thinks the town is going to be plunged into. It's going to become a post-apocalyptic, fuel-starved hellscape, and we 
flash to his imagining, and it's you know it's a post-apocalyptic world where gas the gas station <laughs> is alone in a desert surrounded by barbed wire and these uh, you know dune buggies come war machines rolling over the desert skyline with Mad all Max, these warriors. Yeah. There's no way we could have done that yeah. in real life, you know? But as long as you have, uh, uh, if you're employing enough people drawing around the clock, 24 hours a day, you can make almost anything happen. Absolutely. What about bringing the cast back together? Then the camaraderie that you clearly share live on screen and translating that to animation. Yeah, it was great to get everybody back together. We always have a great time getting back together. It's very kind of a cliche, but it is very family-esque, you know. We don't get to see each other every day, but when we do get together, it's, it's great, a lot of fun. And, um, you know, with animation, you could record everybody individually and separately. Technically, you could do that and get away with it, stitch it together later. Mm -hmm. But so much of the success of Corner Gas, I believe, was built on what these characters brought what these actors brought to the project when they interacted with each other there was a kind of a magical chemistry there right some uh, lightning in a bottle that you only get once in a lifetime and so we all felt it was important to uh, to get them back into a situation where they were interacting with each other and acting with each other so all the actors that live in Vancouver get into a studio in Vancouver all the actors that live in Toronto get into a studio in Toronto at the same time we're linked up via I don't know wires I think electrically somehow we bounce it off the clouds. I, I'm not going to bore you with the details. But uh, anyway, we're synced up in real time. So we're actually acting uh, with each other. And it really makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Some of, the, some of the, you know, the lines are so much funnier when you actually have you know, Davis and Karen reacting to each other the way they would if they were in the car, even though Lauren is in Vancouver and Tara is in Toronto <laughs> acting over the phone line. You still get that rhythm and chemistry. That's, and that's just, I guess, a testament to the performers and to the relationships you guys have had, right? That you can keep that chemistry? Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's there. We've done it so much. We each know these characters so well and so intimately. And their, their interactions with each other, the way Wanda deals with Hank or Oscar deals with Emma, uh, are so ingrained. We all know how... You know, it's like just putting on an old comfortable pair of shoes. Right. And at, at this point in your life and your career, to take on a, a new medium uh, in your performing like animation, is, is there, I mean, is that nerve-wracking or is that exciting to take on a challenge or, or all of the above? Yeah, I mean, it's not so much nerve-wracking for me. I'm, I'm always very excited by a new project. I get very excited but when I'm going into something. It's like I said, there's no substitute for diving into a, doing something that you don't really know how to do. That's, the, that's a great feeling. <laughs> and um, swim, yeah. it, it's very exhilarating. And anytime you can learn stuff, I'm all for that. Keep your eyes and ears open and your yap shut and drink it all in and ask questions and, and then bring your own uh, take and talent to the table. It's all very collaborative, TV and film and this animation business, everything is so collaborative. Right. So, but the only nervous element to it, to me, was when we first started talking about doing the project, I feel very protective of Corner Gas mm -hmm. and the legacy of it. I didn't want to do anything to damage how people looked at Corner Gas. You know, we, the, the series had a great run, ended really well. The movie had a huge response, ended really well. I didn't want to do anything that would I didn't want to do this for the sake of doing it because if it didn't feel true and good and real, I was just going to put the brakes on it and not do it. So I was a little nervous that way. But we did a demo. I wrote a couple of scripts. Every step of the way, it felt right. Mm -hmm. And so finally we said, let's pull the trigger. Let's do this. 
Nice. And I mean, do you ever sort of think about the success of the original show? And um, is, is there the need to live up to that in, in a way? Or is, do you, can you compartmentalize it and say it's a different sort of project, same characters? Yeah, I can kind of compartmentalize it. I've never really um, looked backwards and thought, you know, I, I don't like to set my goal by looking backwards. It doesn't really make sense. Um, I know people do it, but I, I advise against it. It doesn't make sense. Set your goals by looking forward and just saying, here's what we're doing now, here's what we want to do. Set your target and go for it. Work hard and cross your fingers. Absolutely. Um, just going forward, Corner Gas and beyond other projects that you're working on, I mean, um, at this stage of your life and your career, where do you, what, what inspires you to, to keep creating, to keep going, uh, and just sort of keep pushing yourself and, and taking on new challenges? I don't know what it is specifically. I just know that, um, I mean, partly I really love what I do, so that helps. You know, if you're getting up and it's not drudgery, <laughs> if you really, if you're getting up and you enjoy your day, and I do, you know, you, if I'm writing or if I'm doing stand-up uh, out on the road with, you know, another comic who's a buddy traveling the country doing stand-up, on camera acting, I, I'm just the, the luckiest SOB in the world because every, everything that I really truly like to do, I get to do. Yeah. Uh, man, there's no, I got no complaints. I'm, I'm the luckiest dirty dog that ever uh, walked the planet. <laughs> yeah, because still, you're still touring and, and performing. Yeah, I still, you know, stand-up's still my very favorite thing yeah. to do. Stand-up is the thing that I could never walk away from. Yeah. I think if you boil everything else away, I'm a greasy nightclub comic. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the nucleus that everything spokes off of. My, what I learned doing stand-up and the skills that I was able to develop by getting up in front of strangers for, you know, prior to Corner Gas, it was 15 years. It's, I'm coming up to my 30th anniversary as a comic now. Every time you get up in front of people, you learn a little something. Right. And you end up relying on those things. When you're alone in a room writing a script, you're relying on that 30 years of performing for an audience. You're relying on that to tell you what's funny. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you'll, you know, I'll write a line out and I'll think, that's funny, but it's too wordy. I'll, rely, I'll go back to my stand-up comedy roots to go, that's funny, but it's too wordy. That's too long. I've got to find a way to shrink that down. Or sometimes you'll say, oh, that's funny, but those two words together have a similar sound, and that's going to kneecap the rhythm of the thing, find a different word. So you end up relying on all those things that you've learned uh, over the years. So for me, everything spokes off of stand-up. Right. And that's interesting because we talked... Plus, half-priced drinks. Oh, of course. <laughs> There's a reason to tour right there. Yeah. You, you're taking on a new challenge like uh, Corner Gas Animated. You do, we talked earlier about your vlog that you do. I mean, for. You mean the butt pod? The butt pod. <laughs> I'm plugging it. I'm plugging the butt pod, as horrible as that sounds. Did as you graphic. Sound <laughs> did Plug you come in up with that name, the butt pod? Was that you? I did. You know, I was thinking, what would, it, it, what would I call my podcast? You know? And it was just the most natural, the, the, kind of the very first thing that I thought of was the butt pod, not thinking of any kind of play. It's just, that's my name, and yeah. it's a pod. And I liked how it sounded. I thought, yeah, people will remember that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the butt pod, why not? What advice would you give to uh, like our readers, for example, on, you know, 
if you want to sort of jump into new things, try new, uh, you know, whatever creative or, or other jobs or just sort of new outlets, uh, you know, in 50s, 60s, 70s and beyond, you know, and sort of attacking that fear that sometimes can come with it or the apprehension. Yeah, I mean, I, aside from just saying do it, like get in and do it, do new stuff. And it doesn't really matter if you fail. Like, I, I, I'm not saying, um, you know, go out and tightrope walk between two tall towers. <laughs> there, there's a downside to that yeah. if you slip and fall. Unless you're doing it animated. Then yeah, then, for sure. <laughs> but um, there's very little downside to trying new stuff and a huge upside. It, yeah. keep, it keeps you going. It, keep, it gets you out of bed. You know, find something that you like to do. Um, and one thing can kind of spur the next thing. Like, you know, when I started doing the podcast, and then I thought, well, I'm going to do a video companion to the podcast, so I started a YouTube channel. So then I started becoming fascinated by the different gear, you know, the microphones and the cameras and the, the lights. And I've, I've started, you know, during the whole production uh, of Corner Gas TV and film, I never really uh, was that interested or intrigued by the technical side of it. You know, we had a team. We had cinematographers and camera operators and audio guys, and they would set it up and they would do it all. Now, when I'm doing my YouTube videos, it's really on me to learn how to do all this stuff, and I've become fascinated. It's a new obsession to me. Yeah. My wife laughs, oh, the Amazon <laughs> truck is here again, bringing a new <laughs> microphone, you know. The Amazon guys know my dog. They're like, hey, hey, Oliver. <laughs> Just put it in the garage, fellas. Uh, what do you hope people who watch the animated Corner Gas take away from it? Just some laughs. All, all any of us are looking for in this is for people to have some laughs. Have a good time, sit down for 22 and a half minutes, and um, enjoy yourself. Have some laughs. Forget about the troubles of the day. We're not looking to change the world. We're not looking to uh, stump our opinions onto anything. We're just looking to have some fun, have some laughs. Yeah. That's, that's all I've ever wanted to do my whole life. Get a few laughs. Have a few laughs, get a few laughs. Right? <laughs> Wrap it up and go to bed. And are you looking to try to make this a, a run? Or are you just sort of taking it one season at a time? And yeah, just kind of one season yeah. at a time. I certainly hope it has a good long run. Um, I, I think as long as, the, you know, as long as the product is good and as long as the demand is there, if people are wanting more shows, we'll do more shows. Yeah. You know? And the passion uh, for stand-up comedy or for comedy and a passion for animation came from your childhood. Are there any other sort of childhood passions or loves that you might hope to re-explore now that you have the outlets? Um, food has always been, big surprise, a big uh, fascination of mine. <laughs> My mother cooked a lot. She baked a lot. She bread. She, was, she made such amazing bread, and she, she was just a really good cook. And um, I've kind of developed a passion for cooking. I don't know if I'm really any good at it, but I get better at it the more I do it, of course. The nice thing about cooking, too, is it's, cr it's creative. Right. There's a lot of wiggle room. You really have to screw up bad before you can actually not eat the thing that you made. I've only ever done that one time where I was like, you know what, I've got to throw this away or I'm going to be sick. <laughs> So you can try stuff out, and sometimes it works great, sometimes it's fantastic, sometimes you go, eh, that didn't really work, but you can still eat it. So, uh, so it's, a, it's a fun, creative place to sit down and play that has very little downside. Yeah. So I, I, that's one of the things that I, I do a lot. You know, I've done a lot more cooking in the last two years than I did in my whole life before that. So maybe a, a cooking show once 
Hunter Guys Animated has done? Baking Maybe. You know, I've done some cooking segments on talk shows. Those yeah. are always fun. Um, yeah, I like that kind of thing. Do you have a specialty? Not really. Um, you know, I like coming up with different sauces so yeah. that you can... Um, I used to do a lot of pastas. I'm trying to eat less pasta now for health reasons. It's, it's a lot of, you know, you're, you're asking your body to make a lot of sugar when you're get, plowing down the amount of pasta <laughs> I used to eat. But now, you know, I've, sometimes I'll put on long grain rice instead or chickpeas yeah. or something like that. So, like I said, it's just a matter of get, getting in the kitchen and getting creative. Right. Absolutely. And just lastly, because this will be airing in the new year, I didn't know if you had any New Year's resolutions or anything, you're, any goals for 2018? I tend to set resolutions that are going to be broken quickly, fast, so you can put that madness behind you and just move on, right? <laughs> I resolve not to have any naps. I'm out like a light. Wake up. Well, okay, well, that's done. See you, you next year, everybody. Yeah. Your... <laughs> so people put a lot of pressure on themselves. But, um, you know, don't wait, don't wait for the new year to uh, decide to shift gears and try something different. Thank you so much, Brent. Congratulations on the show. Oh, thank you. Right. Well, that was great. You know, there's actually more uh, video stuff that I have, and um, that's on everythingzoomer.com. And of course, you can find us at YouTube at Everything Zoomer, and you'll find some other uh, great video st video pieces with Brent Butt that I shot, and um, including uh, Brent making fun of my video skills, <laughs> making fun of angles that I use. Um, <laughs> there was quite a bit of that. Um, it's all in good. Fun. Oh my God, so funny. Oh, you know what? My favorite part of this was. Um, the uh, the interview that we have in the podcast, um, when he talks about season one hairline, how he, oh, yeah. <laughs> that was his favorite. <laughs> the advantages of animation. Yeah, yeah, the advantages of animation. Yeah. Very funny. Yeah, I found it really interesting that he was so into animation as a kid. And so, and just doing research, I saw that, you know, he mentioned it too in the podcast that he went to school, shared in college, mm -hmm. and, he, and he dropped out pretty quickly. But that's not an easy school to get into. No, it is not. Uh, for animation, especially. It's one of the top schools in Canada. Yeah, absolutely. And and even as a kid, long before that, he he would draw. And, and I know he had his own little publishing company with a friend, and they created a comic. So at 51 years old, to be able to sort of go full circle and come back to that childhood passion and pursue it now on such a large scale, uh, that's a really sweet story. Not everybody gets to do that. Yeah, uh, definitely a natural progression for him. I mean, uh, the, uh, when I asked him off camera, I was like, well, why did you wait so long? I mean, if you're, you, <laughs> you were an animator before you fell in love with stand-up comedy. And uh, he, he honestly, he didn't know. He was like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, you know, it just I guess uh, he became so successful that it did. But uh, it's such a – this just makes total sense, Mike. Yeah. It's like everything in the world makes sense now. Yeah, it, it's, it's a Except perfect – Except for the fact that everything in the world doesn't make sense now. <laughs> this does. This is one of the few things everything that does. Everything in the corner gas world makes sense because it is a perfect medium for this. An another thing that I sort of came across in my research, I didn't ask Brent about it. What was that, Mike? But I, <laughs> I found it really As interesting. If I don't know. Yeah. In 2005, when Saskatchewan was celebrating its uh, centennial, Brent Butt, hosted a command performance for Queen Elizabeth II and Prince Philip, like in Saskatchewan. And I don't know, I just find that really fascinating and gives an idea of the scope of Brent Butt's sort of status, not just in Saskatchewan, but because he was born in Tisdale, Saskatchewan, but not just there, 
but in Canada as a whole, like as a cultural ambassador and cultural figure. He's the perfect uh, cultural ambassador, especially in comedy. But I mean, is comedy really the right medium for the queen? Like, does she have a sense of humor? I I haven't seen her smile ever. Yeah. You, you never see the queen, like, it, smack it, her leg yeah, She's and not just known laugh, for her right? rollicking yeah. uh, sense of humor and jokes. Right. <laughs> I mean, have you met the queen? Wow, is she a riot? I like she had the, me in stitches. I no, would like, I, and yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah, you never hear like. But Brent's oh, the, queen. the perfect guy to to win someone over. You absolutely. know, absolutely. You never hear anybody That's say, right. like, "Oh, the queen told me this joke once, and it was hilarious." Right? Like it's just unless her her comedy is very blue, <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> and you just can't repeat what she says. Just... If you watch The Crown, there's not a lot of comedy in that either. So no, but it's not from her. But it's so fascinating, The Crown. I love yeah. The Crown. Um, so. Oh, you know what? There's a cast reading happening. <laughs> there is. <laughs> you said that like you just remembered that. <laughs> Setting mic up. That's my way of getting mics in mic. Yeah. Talk well, about it. If you're in Toronto, on March 29th at 7 p.m., the cast of Corner Gas Animated is going to be at the uh, Hot Dogs Ted, Roger, Ted Rogers Cinema. They're going to be doing a live table reading of a script and uh, showing a sneak peek of Corner Gas Animated, which is pretty cool because that's still a few days before it uh, debuts on April 2nd. So, uh, yeah, tickets, uh, I believe you can go to cornergas.com. You get all the information there. But if you want to come for a live table read, I think uh, it would be really interesting. Gina and I were talking about this before, how they they never filmed the show in front of an audience. Yeah. So to do a table read of an episode, I'm assuming of the animated episode, but any episode of Corner Gas, really, yeah, it wouldn't be great. and have a live audience there laughing and reacting to the jokes in real time, uh, it'll be a different experience for Corner Gas fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be awesome. We should go to that, Mike. I would love to go to that. We should go stock them. Sign this. Um, <laughs> whatever I have. <laughs> Brent Butt's like, that's just a receipt. Why? Uh... I and I met you already. Why? Yeah. Um... <laughs> Why are you following me into the men's washroom? Because <laughs> I'm unstable. And Brent, as he mentioned in the podcast, also has his own podcast uh, that you can check out. It's called The Butt Pod, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great name. Only for a comedian. Nobody, if he was any other profession, well, he couldn't have that. But his last name is Butt. Like, no, no, I know it's perfect. But if he was like, if he was a scientist and his last name was Butt, I, 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 uh, I, I throw this question at you. Would that be inappropriate? I say I don't no. Think it's, it's not inappropriate, but I don't think. <laughs> I just can't imagine like. I am a scientist. If he's like discovered. my podcast is called the Butt Pod. And on it, you can find the cures to, I don't know, yeah, diabetes or whatever. He's curing diseases. Would you take it seriously? Check out my research on the butt pod. Like, I don't think it works as well. Hmm. And again, I don't know why he has an accent when he's a scientist <laughs> and not when he's a comedian. But uh, anyway, the butt pod, uh, as he talked about in the podcast, is hilarious. And you can check that out. And also Corner Gas uh, Animated. It's kicking off April 2nd at 8 p.m. Eastern on the Comedy Network. So check that out. Uh, it's going to be a good time. And you can find Mike's feature on Brent on Everything Zoomer, of course. All right, Mike, this was a great uh, great week. Another one. Another, Another one. one in the can. Mm-hmm. Thank you, uh, Brent, again for your time uh, and talking to us. Thanks to Gina, as always, and to our listeners. And we hope we'll see you again on the next episode of Ages and Icons. Bye. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.